Welcome to Politics and Prose, the podcast focused on people and politics. Tune in to be informed and make sure to subscribe to Politics and Prose wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. Now let's get into it. Welcome everyone to Politics and Prose, the podcast focused on people and politics. Yes, it's a new politics, a new podcast, excuse me, launching today. Uh, we came off of the News in Motion podcast. We decided we wanted to do something different. So happy new year to everyone. This is Friday, January the 6th, 2024. And again, we want to welcome you to Politics and Prose. I am Gail Dudley, the audacious advocate. I'm an author and activist committed to invoking an awakening that compels people and communities to move beyond the status quo. Just to tell you a little bit about politics and prose, it's about elevating and championing authors, activists, analysts, coaches, consultants, influencers, politicians, and strategists. Yes, something for everyone. I have created this platform to introduce fresh voices through interviewing guests who are relevant to everyday life. Politics and prose will also share aggregated political data and present it in a way that takes communities from being informed to actually taking action. Y'all, new episodes will air right here every Friday. Go ahead and subscribe and download today and share it with your audience. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and post.news. If y'all have not heard about post.news, make sure you check that out. At Gail Dudley. Yes, I'm still currently on Twitter just for a little while, just to uh, fill it out until the end, or I may have to uh, exit stage less uh, left sooner than later. You can also subscribe to my YouTube, which is www.youtube.com backslash Gail Dudley. Tune in to be informed and subscribed. Again, y'all need y'all to subscribe and download to Politics and Prose wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, feel free to subscribe and sign up to my e-newsletter, which comes out each Monday. You can do that at gaildudley.com. Scroll towards the bottom and hit subscribe. All right, y'all, enough about me and the new podcast that we are introducing today. I have an amazing guest who is sharing with me today. I thought there's no time like the present time to interview Dr. Eric Currents. Um, he is a licensed psychologist in the states of Ohio and Illinois. With almost 20 years of education and experience, he has proven himself to be a caring individual committed to the development and holistic wellness of our clients. Yeah, y'all, it's the first of the year. I thought I need to bring him on up front. Dr. Currents received his master's degree and PhD in counseling psychology from the Ohio State University. He has served in a number of mental health organizations throughout his doctoral training and clinical career, offering such service as individual group, family, marital uh, psychotherapy, matrix psychological services. I hope I said that right. Psychological assessments, uh, MedSite Ohio Valley Incorporated, intervention to survivors of abuse and neglect, directions for youth and families as well as working with individuals who have sustained tra traumatic brain injuries. And that uh, took place at the Ohio State University Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. Dr. Currents is currently the owner of Currents Consulting LLC, psycho Psychological Private Practice. Y'all, in addition to his clinical work, Dr. Currents has served as adjunct faculty for the Department of Psychology at the Ohio State University where he has instructed a number of undergraduate and graduate courses. Dr. Currents has been happily married to Keisha for 20 years and is the proud father of Kennedy and Isaiah. And I must be honest and transparent and share with you, I know this man. And he is an outstanding, upstanding uh, follower of, of Jesus. And he is doing the great work um, for people all around, whether it is in Ohio or in Illinois or throughout the country, throughout the nation. So I want to say welcome to you today. Thank you so much for having me, Gail. It is truly a pleasure to sit down with you today and have a much needed conversation. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. If you're ready, we're going to jump in because I got a lot of questions to ask you on today. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. On December the 14th, I happened to be scrolling through my Facebook page um, after being just shocked by the passing of Stephen Twitch Boss. 
And you made a post to which I immediately reached out um, to ask you to join me on the launch right here today of Politics and Prose. Now, you start with your post by saying, are you currently aware of what you are going through? And then you go on and say, collectively, I believe we are all saddened by the heartbreaking passing of Twitch. As I read post after post, a consistent message I come across notes this idea that we never know what someone else is going through, which is true. My hope is that in addition to the messages that are affirming the notion that it's okay to get help and it's okay not to be okay, we challenge ourselves to grow the conversation. In addition to seeking help when you are not okay, we create value around the importance of increasing our awareness regarding our own mental health and wellness. To expand our willingness to simply know where we are, what might be negatively impacting us, what is, it, what is pouring into us, and what we might need. I go to the eye doctor. This is what really got me. I go to the eye doctor every year, not because I expect that my eyes are getting worse, but because I want to know the current status of my vision. Are my eyes maintaining? Is there, is there something I need to do in the form of prevention? What can I expect from my eyes, for my, from my eyes, excuse me, over the next year? And then you go on to say, there is value in having insight into your mental health wellness. That was fire to me, just amazing. It made me pause, it made me reach out to you. So let's jump in here with the first question. Um, you say here again, we never know what someone may be going through. And that was the the what you were seeing throughout the different posts. Now, I've shared on News in Motion um, and my previous podcast that there may be people who are sitting at your table or in your circle that have experienced conversations that will prevent them. It will stop them uh, to come to someone to let them know what they need because they've been in the conversations where we've talked about other people who may be going through. Um, now, we never know when someone may be going through, but how can we find out knowing that there are people among us who are struggling? How do we break that? You know, to start, um, I, I recently had a conversation with another therapist who simply said, we don't ask enough questions. Oftentimes, we will ask this uh, proverbial, how are you doing? And when someone responds with fine, we move on as if that is enough of an answer. And so, you know, we say, oh, we checked in on them. Um, but how are you doing it is not sufficient if we're really wanting to know where someone is or how someone is. And so sometimes I think we make a portion of this harder than it needs to be. I think that that wow. sometimes we can ask deeper questions. Um, if someone is fine, tell me more about fine. Um, and, and I think it's also about knowing the people that we're connected to. Uh, there are times where literally when you are in relationship with someone, you can look at them and, and see that something is going on. Um, but again, a lot of times we'll ask the question because there is something that sparks on the inside of us that, that something is going on. But if they say fine, we say okay as if we don't know better. And so I think sometimes it is not about berating someone with quake with questions, but it is about getting sufficient information about where we believe people are. And so I think sometimes it's about just taking that initial question, how are you doing, a little bit deeper. If you are, are friends with an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, ask them about the business. Ask oh, them about great. how much time they're spending at work. Um, we say, oh, great for you. I'm so happy that you started your business. Well, when I started my business, I'm putting in 12 to 14 hour days. And so when people say, uh, how is it going? Well, it's going well. That is a true statement. Um, but what does your day look like? Um, I like one, that. Of the, one of the things that I ask often therapeutically that I think we could start asking um, just in regular conversations is how are we taking care of ourselves? Because one of the things I think will come into knowledge of very quickly is um, the average person doesn't know how to do that well. The yeah. average mover and shaker doesn't do it at all. Um, okay. and, and so I think there are little pieces like that where we get a sense of where the balance is, where your energy is. Um, and the other thing I'll say uh, as a start is I also think sometimes it's important that we not ask the question but we speak to the need before or before it's even developed. And so, you know, if, for instance, um, I know that I have a friend who is a single mom who is working and it's holiday time, 
I don't ask her, hey, do you have everything together? I might say something like, hey, do you want to drop the kids off over my house for a few hours to get finish up your Christmas shopping? Provide them with an opportunity um, to take you up on something because some of these needs, it's kind of like when the word says there's nothing new under the sun. There are so many things that we've been through ourselves that no one has to say to us, hey, it's stressful when we've, we've lived it. And so if we know, for instance, that it's stressful when someone loses a loved one and that folks are there usually for that first three weeks, but then they go back to regular life. When we ask them how they're doing week five, the truth is we know how they're doing because we've experienced it. At that point, they're feeling more isolated. They're feeling like while their their support system is there, that they've gone back to regular life. And so I don't need them to tell me what they might need in that moment. Um, I'm just going to start offering stuff and, and at least give them the opportunity to take me up on that offer. I like that. Do you think some of it has to do with social media Um, We were scrolling and we're seeing all these influencers and we are hearing them say they're making X thousand dollars a day or a week. And um, talk. speaking of entrepreneurs, we could be um, doing well, as you say, but at the same time, we could say, I don't know where this next, I'm going to get through this next 30 days. I don't know what that looks like. And again, we, we go back to I've been at the table with my friend who's talked about somebody else. I don't know if I trust her with what I'm going through. So how do we even break through that? Understanding social media, social media. I've maybe been at a conversation at a table with someone and they weren't um, speaking well of someone else, but I really need to talk to somebody. So how do I break through with that? Um, well, I think that that there are a number of things, and if I'm understanding you correctly, if you know I'm hearing about something that someone else is going through, or I'm kind of looking at social media and using that as a barometer, um, I think the the easiest response that I, I have is that I think we need to be willing to get our hands a little bit more dirty than, than we do. Um, we love to say things like it takes a village to raise a child and and, and the concept is true. Um, and I think that, that certainly in my generation, we lived that and, and part of what was going on during that time is folks weren't afraid to get their hands dirty. You knew that if someone down the street saw you doing something, they were going to respond to the it. Whole street. <laughs> The whole street. And the worst part about it is you got it all the way home and knew you were going to get it worse once your parents found out what was happening. But people were not afraid to get um, their hands dirty. And, 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 and in people's defense, I do think that we've gotten to a space where, you know, folks are sometimes hesitant to drop that wall. And so even with good intentions, sometimes folks yeah. put up that wall and say, I don't want the question. I don't want the help. Um, but I think that that doesn't mean that we have to stop. posturing in that way. I think sometimes we have to say, okay, Amy said she didn't want that. She didn't speak for the whole department. She didn't speak for the whole neighborhood. She didn't speak for the whole family. And so there are times where we've we've gone out of our way to get our hands dirty and and we've been uh, abruptly stopped. But I think that we have to remember that that was a situation in time, even with that individual things could change. And so I think sometimes we have to be willing to ask the question. Sometimes we have to be willing, um, again, in a very diplomatic way, but just to say, hey, I'm getting the sense that you're not doing well, or I'm I've heard that that maybe right. some things are going on and they could get caught. Where'd you hear that from? And but I think we have the ability to sidestep that question and, and really kind of focus on the, that's not the purpose of this conversation. If we need to get into that later, we can, right. but let's talk about this first. I like that. Now, this could be a spoiler alert for anybody, so you might want to back off of this. But first, I got to see, because I saw uh, Dr. Kern's uh, post. Uh, Did you get them eight uh, chapters in from that show? I did not. Okay, then I can't even ask you the question. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the agenda. It's on the agenda. And I was thinking about that when we were getting uh, on the air. I was like, I wonder if he uh, was able to get that hookup. <laughs> so I, I did get the hookup, but I've not followed through with the eight just yet. <laughs> well, I can't even ask my question. But 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 for everyone who's wondering, what, where is she going with it? It's the end. It's the, it's the final chapter. It's the end when something powerful took place there. So y'all just going to have to watch it and kind of figure out where my question was going. But I will ask this question. Mm-hmm. Even when I think back to your comment, your post on Facebook. And I even go back to 
uh, Kate Spade in, during her passing. People say, check on your strong friends, check on the strong ones. If I can ask this question, who are the strong ones? What does that look like? And, and, and is it true that strong people don't have um, times of trauma or breakdown or anything like that? Who, who are the strong ones? How do we identify them? Sure. So I'll start by saying, let's check on everybody. Let's, let's I start love there. that. I love uh, however, uh, to the to the point of your question, um, I think that there are a number of ways that you can answer who are your strong friends. But I think the first way that I'll answer is who is it that you go to when you need something? Um, I'll even take news as an example, since I'm talking to you. Um, there are times and I'm guilty of this as well, where something will be going on in the nation news wise. And I go to your page to see what you said. <laughs> because I trust you um, and, and I know that you know more about it because you've done more research. And so, um, so again, if, if I want to know something about politics, I want to know something about news, um, I go to the person that I think knows the most, right? That would be my strong friend. And so I think okay. oftentimes there are people that if I need to vent, I go to. If there are people that I, I need to, if I have a financial question, there are people in my circle that I go to. And so I think your go-to people are probably your strong friends. Okay. Um, and I don't think anyone, uh, I should say that differently on average, I don't think people posture themselves as strong friends. I think it's naturally how they show up. Um, so I am a caregiver in my profession. I'm also a caregiver in my personal life. And so I'm going to be the person that's always making sure that people are comfortable and they get what they need. And so in that way, I'm probably a strong friend because I'm less likely to say I need and I'm more likely in the moment to be figuring out what other people need. But my friends are very aware of that. That's not something that is secret. And so, you know, if it was like, well, who are my strong friends? I think that there are certain areas where they would say, OK, well, that's where he shows up. Um, okay. And no, just because you're strong, it certainly does not preclude you from from being impacted by life. Uh, I think sometimes because strong friends um, are individuals that people tend to go to. And I think you were alluding to this earlier. I think sometimes strong friends are thoughtful about the fact that um, um, I have to be aware of what my friends can handle. I have to be aware of what they can perceive. And just personally, I'll say as a quick example, um, you know, if I have friends who are struggling uh, to to make ends meet uh, and I'm having a financial crisis in regards to one of uh, of my rental properties, even though my friend might be willing to, to shoulder that and have a conversation, I'm personally going to be really thoughtful that I already know that this person mm -hmm. is struggling to figure out if they have rent. And it's not that they don't want to be my friend and that they can't be my friend in this instance. But for me, I'm thinking, well, I don't want them to hold that burden. Now, that might be something I need to get better at because uh, okay. that removes my what I do in that moment is I remove the opportunity um, to trust my friend to support me in the way that I support them. I do it for a very thoughtful reason, but I still uh, I do that. I make an assumption about like what that. they can handle. But I, I say that to say, I think strong friends do that. They're, they're thoughtful about what their friends might be able to handle. And I think at times that means they're more silent. Um, and I think they have to come outside of that and grow their circle then. I love that. I love that. And by the way, if y'all hear this scraping out on this uh, podcast, we had a lot of snow and ice, and they're now cleaning the streets finally. So you hear that. I'm like, oh, sure, you come and clean them right now. Okay. <laughs> so if you hear that, that's what's happening. So so speaking of that, um, because I, I thought about, you know, what we're we're in 2023 now. Uh 2020, all of our lives changed. Um so the question is, how much did the pandemic contribute to some of the trauma or the questioning of, am I still that strong person? Am I still that strong one that people are experiencing today compared to pre-COVID? Because I can say this myself, but at first it was like, fine. All right, everybody in the house, let's go, let's do whatever. But by day 10, 15, it's like, I'm going to just get in my car and drive to Powell, Ohio to circle the, 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 um, the traffic circle by the zoo and come back home. I just need to get out. Or I would just like, you know, I, I don't need the milk, but I'm going to the store. I just want to see somebody else. And then I can remember going past Polaris Mall. 
and there was not a car. There was not, it, it looked like, it, it actually scared me. I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm thinking, whoa, this is what's happening right now. Like, what, what do we do with this? And it, it became, I, I don't know, um, somewhat challenging, somewhat asking questions. Um, for myself, I went overboard with the Clorox wipes, the Lysol, spraying down the mail. It's like, I did not want this thing. I did not want it. And everyone knows, my own daughter shared, she had it in 2020. So it wasn't the best time to have it. So even that fear, and even today, January 6, 2023, I'm still trying to shake some of this off. So how much of this pandemic contribute uh, has contributed to the trauma or the either I'm strong or I'm not strong um, today as compared to the pre, pre-COVID? Um, I, so I'll start by saying COVID has impacted, I think, the average person greatly. And, and we can talk about it uh, in a number of different ways. I think that there are certain individuals who were impacted by COVID itself. So COVID did absolutely create trauma. So we certainly saw, as an example, domestic violence incidents go through the roof. And so that was yeah. a direct impact of COVID that certainly for individuals who may potentially have never seen domestic violence in their home before. Um, again, we just saw statistically speaking that skyrocket. And so that to me would be an example of direct trauma that came as a result of the circumstances of COVID. But I think the other thing that happened is that COVID illuminated what was already underneath the surface for so there many it is. people. Um, and so I think, for instance, individuals that might have struggled with depression um, or, or, or maybe had symptoms of depression but didn't necessarily meet the clinical criteria that as COVID went on, um, started to see those things, uh, the coping strategies uh, that they normally would be able to go to weren't available. And so they struggled to maintain right. their, their emotional wellness or, or balance. And so I think that, that COVID impacted us in a number of different ways and I think still does. I mean, I think there are individuals, myself included, who lost loved ones to COVID. And so there was a mm-hmm. grieving process. Um, the market still hasn't fully recovered. Uh, yeah. The workforce is still in, in many spaces in disarray. And so I think that, that those are things that, that mm-hmm. individuals are still dealing with. Um, and I will also say, as clinicians, we saw our numbers go through the roof. I mean, individuals who had never been full before were full with wait lists. And so we saw individuals utilizing mental health services, which was amazing. But we also then saw people for the first time reaching out and not having access to service um, because providers were full. And so now we have this um, crossroads where for so long we've challenged folks to admit that they need help and they got to that space during COVID and could not find a provider. And so I think there were just so many things that COVID brought to the surface for individuals from a mental health perspective that that we struggled to deal with during COVID and that we struggle to still deal with in the aftermath. Wow. Yeah, it's, um, and I even have a question behind that, which just piggybacks on what you were just saying. Um, in the last year or so, you know, we've had the great resignation to inflation. So all of that compound together is like, what's happening here? Um, I even had a, uh, I have a regular viewer of News in Motion who DM'd me about a week ago um, that she's been watching the news. In December, I've been on break. I was like, I get, I'll get all of us through the midterms. I need a break because there was so much news. And I combed through because I'm always trying to find, you know, my thing is if it's not factual, I can't give it to you. If I can't get to the bottom of it, I'm not going to deliver the message. Um, and she was saying that she tunes in the news in motion. We've been on the air now um, two and a half years, um, which actually started during the pandemic. But um, she said, so she was tuning into the news and she inboxed me and said, I have no idea how you do what you do. She says, um, and I have her quote here. She says, God bless you for watching the news, but there's, there is so much going on that it takes a tolls on one's mind, body, and spirit. She goes, how do you do this daily? And when she sent that to me, I'm thinking, and that's why I'm on break right now, 
because there was a time, there was the first year I didn't take any break. And that was in the year of 2020, got that election going, right? And then we went right into 2021 where we had the insurrection. So we had all that going on. And I thought, I've got to take a break. So my first break was August of 2021. So that was more than a year I went straight. And at that point, we were still Monday through Friday. And it does take a toll. And that's me. That's my work. But what about the everyday person who is tuning into this, um, watching news and trying to decipher what do I believe, what I not, what do I not believe? And their their mental health is just deteriorating because they don't even know when to let go. Because here's the truth. News cycles are on a loop. So you're hearing the same news over and over and over again with different faces every hour and nothing really changed, but they want to present is breaking news. So it's somewhat propaganda, which I can't stand. And then we have this great political divide and debate. My, my question is, how do we navigate through all of this stuff and stay sane or, 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 or check our mental health and say, you know, something's not right. I need to let this go. How do we navigate? I know I loaded you with a big question, but how do we navigate this? Uh, you loaded me with a big question, but this is the question that I was actually waiting for um, because it was the question that I was hoping my uh, post would prompt. Uh, because I think that when we start talking about mental health again, especially on uh, the tale of, of something traumatic happening, our initial thought is, how do we make sure everyone is okay? How do we check on our strong friends, yes. et cetera? Yes. Um, but, but the real impetus of the question was, how do you know yourself enough to know when you need help? And I think that the, the point that I was trying to make is the average person does not know how to answer that question partially because they're not asking the question. And if we're going to be mm. really authentic and transparent in Black America, we're not given the luxury to ask the question. We have to show up. We have to keep moving. And so we have not been taught to, I mean, we've heard things as you have to work twice as hard and, and these things are absolutely true. But because of that, we've been taught and, 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 and really um, pushed a focus on how do we elevate? How do we show up? How do we deliver? Yes. Um, how often has someone talked to us about this idea of how do you make sure you're okay? Um, I, I, I laugh because my, my mom, when she was working, when we were growing up, they would do this thing where if you uh, went to work every day and didn't take any sick days at the end of the year, they would do this weekend in Columbus where, you know, they would basically wine and dine them. And my mom did that for years. And I'm like, mom, it makes no sense for you to push yourself for 365 days to get a weekend when you can just take your sick days throughout the year. Like this makes no sense. But she grew up in a generation where, you know, her parents were like, no, 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 you, you go to work, sick, you go to work. And so I think we have to normalize this question of checking in with ourselves and asking the question, how am I doing? And being willing to, to know for ourselves, sometimes we don't have the ability on our own to answer that question. We might need someone else to ask us some questions. Um, some of the best work that I have done here in the last probably two to five years has been with individuals who are not struggling with mental illness, but who have made a commitment to their mental wellness. And so I might see them once a month, um, once every three weeks. Um, and, and part of what we're doing is we're doing that mental health check-in. They're, they're, they're journaling in between times and really kind of challenging themselves to think different and show up different and really be in tune to how they operate from a mental wellness perspective. And it's really interesting to even hear their language change as we continue to work together because they're now asking questions that they would not have asked if they didn't take the time to actually yeah. sit down and understand what mental wellness is. And so I think sometimes, one, we have to, to ask ourselves, are we even pausing long enough to ask the question? Um, because just like we just like we respond fine to other people when they ask us how we're doing, we respond that way to ourselves. I can yeah. make it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and the truth of the matter is sometimes it's not okay. And, and so I think that, that that is a place to start. Because start, even listening to you with that, there's times that and I'm, I'm just going to be transparent. Everybody know I'm transparent anyway. There are times where I could be going through just a challenge and it's like, I don't have time to cry right now. I got to keep pushing. 
But the truth is my body really needs that release and to go through whatever that process is. And I like your term mental wellness because we don't even, I, I'll speak for myself. There's times I don't even allow myself to cry because I'm already thinking what I have to do next. Or um, there could be mornings where, um, you know, news and motions show, uh, kicks off at 7.25 a.m. And there could have been disagreement in our household. And I'm still, I, I don't have time to even think about that because I got to put this face on and come up here and do this news real quick. And, I, and I'm still in my head processing that. So I'm not even giving the viewers a, a, a authentic Gail Dudley because I'm skipping words. I'm messing up the news because I'm like, I still need to say this to this person over here. Yes. I, and we're not taking the time to even breathe. So I'm so glad you said that. And I think it's challenging. Well, I don't know if the word's challenging. I think it's confusing that we say self-care. You know, that's the buzzword right now, self-care. Well, what are you really doing in that self-care? Okay, so you read a book, but did you take time to look at yourself? And I think that's where you're coming from. And tell me if I'm wrong, that we're not looking at ourselves and say, you know, let me fix this. I did something... Um, I guess it was February 2021, where I was, I did my, I did a fast, but the fast was not food. The fast was negative thinking. Mm -hmm. And anytime I had a negative thought, I stopped and said, okay, what's the positive side to this? Let me work through this. And why am I even thinking negative in the first place? Where did this thought come from? And I will be honest with you. That was a very challenging 30 days. It was challenging. And I was like, do I really think like this? Um, and and where, where did it come from all of a sudden? Um, some of what I do, I could say, was is the political divide, and I don't understand people. Um, so I don't have, like, I was, like, having um, lost hope, if you will. But then the other part was, no, this is me. I can't even blame anybody else. And, and I think, you know, so the question is, how do we get there? Um to where we're looking inward and we're looking at ourselves because there's some of us who would probably begin that process, Dr. Kearns, and we would be like, oh my God, let me get in and see somebody now because I'm falling apart. But as you said, and as we're hearing, people's books are complete. So I could be falling apart all by myself with nowhere to go. So what do you suggest? How do we, how do we even process some of that? So, um, Again, I think that to start, we do exactly what we're both suggesting, which is knowing enough about ourselves to know what we might need. Um, I also think that it's important that we not wait until we're in a space of crisis to move. Um, you know, I, I don't see children anymore, but, you know, when parents will reach out to me to say, hey, I know I need to see someone. Do you have any suggestions or, um, you know, hey, we know this, this life change is about to come up for us. What do you suggest? And I always say to them, get your kids in to see someone now. Let them establish that relationship before the life change happens. Um, and it might even just be a couple of sessions. But but what you then do is make it so that when they are going through a life transition or a challenge or even a crisis, they're not now in this room with someone they don't know, that they've never talked to before. And I think we can be that way as, as humans as well. Um, you know, the whole idea of a primary care physician is that there's someone who knows us, who knows our history, so that when something comes up, we can go in and have some of these hard conversations conversations um, right. about where we are and, and be able to trust that this person knows enough about us to be able to engage. And so, you know, I'll say to people, you know, even if you're feeling like I'm OK right now, then get on the wait list now. It, it might be that you don't get in for four months, but right now you happen to be doing OK. Um, the other thing that I will say is, is that it's important to, to be persistent. Um, and so if you call someone and they say, um, you know, I'm currently on a wait list or I'm not taking new clients, if you really want to get in a couple of weeks later, call back. Um, okay. Call back. Um, you get y'all, everybody, I hope y'all heard that. He gave us permission to call back. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and ask some of those same questions that you would do um, in, in other arenas. Um, you know, is there a wait list? Can I be put on a list so that when you do become available, I can be bumped to the top of that list? Um, can we name drop? 
well, I will tell you this. Uh, so, so name dropping does absolutely help um, because there are times where, you know, as clinicians, if I know Barbara's done a favor for me and taking someone on, if someone calls and says, hey, Barbara told me to call you, I'm like, okay, let me find some space because uh, I don't know when I'm going to need Barbara again. So yes, name, name dropping, actually, I, I will even tell my cl clinician friends, like if you are sending someone to me, you better tell them to tell me that you sent them because, uh, you know, right now I don't have a lot of room. Um, but I think that that it is about that tenacity. Um, and I also think that that it's important that we're willing to give that the same energy that we do anything else. I mean, you know, you can't call one marital therapist and say they're not taking clients. I tried. No one's taking clients. You know, right now, if you're looking for a car in, in this uh, uh, era, you're going to have to search. You might have to look down in North Carolina for the car and have it shipped here. But again, when your mind's made up, you know what you want. Nothing's going to stop Nothing's you. And I think we have to be willing to go about after our mental health in much the same way. And I'll say this very quickly. I know that um, some people do not like the idea of telehealth for their therapeutic interactions. Um, and I can understand that. I think it's about what you're comfortable with. But I think that it has been a blessing that we have moved to a space where telehealth is the norm, because that now means instead of only being able to see someone within a 30 mile geographic uh, uh, space, you now can see someone in the entire state of Ohio. They can be right. up in Toledo or down in Cincinnati. And so I think that it has offered now a, a plethora of clinicians that you would not have had access to 10 years ago. That's good. And actually, this is this is so sad. I'm going to say this. I've actually got like, mm, yeah, I can do telehealth. Let's do that. Because <laughs> like, I do that with my nutritionalist and I do that sometimes with my PCP. It's like, yeah, sure, on the drive. Let me do that. I have two more things and then I think we'll be done. But this has been great. Oh, my God, I'm loving this. So, you know, the docuseries came out with Harry and Meg. So we have people that we hear they're either for or against them. We have this for and against when it comes to different political parties. We have an argument playing out online on TikTok for and against when it comes to vaccines. We have for and against when it comes to Elon Musk. We have for and against, we fill in the blank. How much of this is driving the mental health or the mental wellness of people? Because people are jumping on board having these arguments. It's like, do you know them? Do you know the situation? Do you know what's happening behind the scenes? Do we know what's best? I, I'll, I'll even talk about vaccines. I got into a conversation with someone early on who thought I was just horrible for um, helping OSU get people registered to get the vaccine. I said, well, I'm not for or against it. I'm not telling people what to do. For me, I'm getting that because of my elderly parents, and I know the situation. You know, at first I was skeptical. Look, Dr. Kermis, I'm on shot number five. It's like, where's the next one? <laughs> but, but it's amazing how people, they will put their entire energy to say why something shouldn't be or why it should be. So how much of this is playing into either the mental health or the mental wellness, I love your word, of people today? Um, so I think it's obviously uh, hard to make a blanket statement. I think certainly there are particular topics that people are passionate about because of the impact of whatever that conversation is. You know, if we're talking about a potential political leader, if there is a part of you that starts to look down the road and see the negative impact of that, that person being elected, I think it's very easy to become uh, passionate about that. But to the point that you're making, we find that it doesn't matter what the conversation is about. Literally, I was reading yesterday that that folks were basically on social media arguing about uh, Wakanda forever and whether or not it emasculated men. And I mean, I'm, they were going deep um, into this. And, and what I will say is I actually think it, it's the opposite. I think it is our, our mental wellness um, and sometimes our mental illness that impacts the conversation. And I haven't threw out a, a bunch of psychological terms, but I'm going to throw out one here, displacement. Um, and displacement is not something that we 
that we are aware that we're doing. It is a subconscious uh, okay. process that Freud talked about. And it is basically taking energy that you have and putting it in a space that you feel like is socially acceptable because the space where that energy is housed, you're uncomfortable mm. engaging it. And so for wow. instance, the simplest example that I can give is if I'm at work and I'm having an issue with my boss um, and there are, are certain things I feel like I'm being treated unfairly, et cetera, I often come home and displace that energy onto my family. And again, it's subconscious. I don't knowingly do that, but I come home and I'm yelling because that is a socially acceptable. You didn't clean the kitchen, but the kitchen is not that deep. Um, and, and so I'm displacing all of that energy into a space because I know my wife is going to be here. I know my kids are going to be here. Whereas if I put that energy into my boss, I might not have a job. Right. Um, and so I think that is one of the things that we're seeing play out in social media that people do have all of this energy around things that might not be easily resolved, um, that that they might not be as comfortable talking about. So they're ready to go. It's like it's right there at the surface. So you put something out here and now we are going into literally writing dissertations on Facebook about whether or not the strong women in Wakanda forever have emasculated men. And I'm not saying people can't have that opinion. I'm saying the intensity of the argument seems like it's not to scale with, with what the conversation is actually about. And I, I think that there is something oftentimes that are that is going on there that, again, we're unaware of because right. displacement happens subconsciously. And it's a movie. <laughs> and a, that's what somebody said. At some point. It, this is a comic that we're talking about, right? <laughs> Marvel movies, right? Come on, come when, on. When you, you mentioned that I, it, it, you took my mind to the 44th president uh, where uh, Barack Obama puts out his list of movies. I don't know if you saw that post. And he had the woman king on there, but not Wakanda forever. They went in on the... <laughs> and I'm scrolling going, are we really? <laughs> and his, his bottom, I mean, they read his whole post. His bottom said, now those are... So a few of my top, I think it was top 10 or 20. He says, what, what are some that I missed? Or what are some that you are passionate about? He asked the question. Yes. And they went in. He didn't have Wakanda forever. And he did not have Nope on there. And they went in on the brother. <laughs> and people started arguing with each other. And I'm like, whoa. Absolutely. I, I, I'll say this very quickly. When I do marital therapy, I always use this analogy where I say it's not about the dishes. It's not about whether or not he washed the dishes. That's not why you're here. That's what you're telling me. We need to get underneath that. And so it's the same thing. Is it really about the vaccinations? We need to get underneath that. Is it really about Harry um, and Megan? We need to get underneath that. And so, again, it's not that people can't be passionate, but oftentimes the intensity of that argument, there's something underneath it. But we stop here at the dishes, which means we never really get resolution. We just wait for the next thing and blow up about it. Right. And you call that displace. What was that terminology? Displacement. Displacement. Y'all learned something. Displacement. Or my last thing. Again, we talked a little bit about this or a few moments ago. In the last year or so, we have experienced, again, the great resignation to, inf to uh, inflation. People are tired. Um, there's a lack of trust in our elected officials. Come on, we got one that's being sworn in in a, a couple of weeks who lied and admitted that he lied to his entire resume. I'm like, who does that? Um, some people are actually have this fear of life. They're, they're fearful to do anything. People are questioning their mental um, health, whether it's illness or, or um, wellness. Parents are trying to understand their children with everything that's going on, being bullied. You have parents who are now trying to understand their children who are coming out saying they are transgendered. Or um, you also have parents who are trying to even understand themselves in this season. Can you suggest to the to our listeners three to five things that we could implement today to help us with everyday life situations? Please help us. Please, Dr. Kearns, help us. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll start um, by saying just my theory or my approach to counseling is that it is a process of knowledge, awareness, action. What do I know? How can I take what I know in the moment so that I'm aware of an opportunity to make a different decision? And how do I translate that to action? Um, and so I think the first step is kind of figuring out where you are on that continuum. Um, and it's not linear. Certainly you can cycle back through. Um, but sometimes we want to act 
act when when we don't really have the knowledge to act. And so sometimes we are in that knowledge space where we still need to be asking some questions about where we are, what we need. Um, and so I think thinking at to start thinking about it in that continuum. Where am I? Am I in a space where I need to be gathering more knowledge? Is it that I need to be using that knowledge to be more aware in the moment? Um, and then connecting yourself to resources that allow you to do that thing. So for instance, if I'm in a knowledge space where I, I just need more information, it might be that I need to, to do some reading. Um, and you know, if right now I'm struggling with, with anger, I might need to grab the book, Dance of uh, the Dance of Anger, and really kind of understand a little bit more about how anger presents itself for me um, so that I can get to that place where I'm aware in the moment that that's what's happening so I can make a different decision. Other individuals might say, I've already done that. I'm, I'm well aware of what's happening. I'm struggling to figure out how to put that into action. That might be a space where you need to actually seek out um, a, a therapist to, to help you kind of one, be accountable but to really figure out what those action steps might look like. Um, uh, but the other thing that I think is so important in all of this is I think that we have to make a stronger commitment. Um, I, I think that, you know, we're in that space where, where a lot of people will make New Year's resolutions, which is not a bad thing. Some people are, oh, I can't. It's not a bad thing. Um, I think the reason that it's gotten a bad rap is because people will outline the steps. So that knowledge is there, but it does not translate to action. And so I think mm. that there has to be a commitment. So one of the things that I will always say um, when I'm speaking out at the end of it is, is your responsibility is to take at least one thing from this conversation and figure out how it is going to impact your life differently, how you're going to think differently, speak differently, act differently. If you've done that, then this has been well worth your time. If you go home and take the handouts and all of the knowledge and you pack it away in the folder and put it in a filing cabinet, you might as well have not shown up. And so I think that that really is Another piece that I would challenge us to is that that commitment piece. And I think sometimes we tell ourselves that resources aren't out there, but but they there are. I mean, if you're going through grief, there are grief groups. If you are contemplating divorce, there are divorce workshops. Um, if there is a part of you um, that feels like you're unsure about how to navigate a relationship, certainly you can reach out uh, to a therapist. But I think that we really are seeing um, the mental health conversation broadening so much because we recognize it's not just about talk therapy. It's about connecting with nutritionists. It's about connecting with um, uh, yoga and individuals that connect that mind-body uh, connection and, and really look at work in that area. But again, I think it goes back to this space of commitment. What are the steps that I'm actually going to walk away um, from today committed to doing um, and, and what is the accountability uh, to that as well? I think sometimes connecting with those friends and not needing them to be your therapist, but just needing them to hold you accountable to this fact that I'm really working in the first quarter on, on getting this business off the ground or what have you, that now gives you permission to check yeah. in on me. Hey, how's that writing coming? Hey, uh, what's the next step? So I think that, that again, on that space, in that continuum of knowledge, awareness, action, the first step is figuring out where you are, um, okay. because that's going to help you to determine what you might need. And then I think the second step is that commitment. I've got to be committed to going out and doing that. That might be reading the book. Um, I will say this, and I am completely biased, unashamedly. Um, every individual can benefit from therapy. Um, I believe that. Yeah. Absolutely. Myself included. So folks will ask me, have you been in therapy? I'm in therapy right now. I have a therapist um, because to me, challenging myself to even have someone yeah. challenge my way of thinking, I might be on the right track, but having someone say, now, how'd you get there? Let, let's explore how you got to that space so that we can make sure as you come up against other conversations that your thought process is on par. Um, and so that's something that I'm always going to challenge people to be thoughtful about. You might not need it today, but um, having someone walk alongside you as you tap into where you are from a mental wellness perspective. And certainly if you're in a space where where you're needing more help from a mental illness perspective, therapy is always going to be a place that uh, the guarantee that I make to folks is I cannot guarantee you will meet your goals in this process. I can guarantee that if you show up and give me 100 percent that you will leave better than you came in. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. And um, I heard you say something, so I'm going to have to ask this question. How's your writing coming? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. I almost didn't put that out there because I'm like, see, ugh. but this is what I was saying. I was a good listener. I heard that. 
Absolutely. And and I'm going to be transparent. I reached out to Gail sometime in the fourth quarter of uh, 2022 to say, hey, I'm thinking about writing. And I had an amazing consultation with her. She gave me some very uh, good things to do. And I will tell you, I bought the materials that you said. And then I did. Yes, that was a success. But then I did nothing. So hold on, hold on, let me finish. But as I got to the end of 2022, that accountability, I said, nope, I've got to make the commitment. So I have now blocked off my Fridays for first quarter of 2023. And those are my writing days. So the first Friday um, of, of 2023, uh, outside that's of the this, day. Look, that's that. the day. I was so after about you South- get off of here. <laughs> Literally, I was saying outside of this podcast, I have no clinician, no clinical responsibilities for the day because it is now my writing day. So uh, check back in with me in another couple of months and I should have some product that I can talk to you about. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, with that, how can um, people get in touch with you where they want to book sessions, invite you to speak to their group, their conference, their retreats and so forth. Please give us all of your handles and everyone. They will also be in the description of this as well later today. Yes. So uh, my phone number to the practice is 614-478-3131. Can you get Um, that again? Yes. 614-478-3131. I do have a business Facebook page, Currents Consulting. Um, so you can reach me there. My Twitter handle is Dr. E-V-C. E is in Edward, V is in Victor, C is in Carter. Um, and certainly uh, you can uh, go to my website, currentsconsulting.com, and that will have another uh, list of ways to get in touch with me and as well as detailing the services that that we currently offer. Great. And hopefully, y'all, by the end of this year, we can hear about that book and he'll be on a book tour. <laughs> I receive every word of that. Amen and amen. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending this launch podcast of Politics and Prose with me um, on this January the 6th, a code day, 2023. Um, What's usually going to be a 30 to 40 minute podcast. Y'all can see here today, it was just phenomenal. Um, We went a little over 15 minutes, but it's worth it. If you know anyone who may need to hear this information, please, again, share the link, download it, download the podcast, subscribe. Y'all, this right here, I think, was an amazing start. And I'm going to stay not, you know, I'm going to try real hard not to get emotional. An amazing launch to politics and pros. I'm so excited about what we're bringing to you all. And it was just my joy to have you, Dr. Currents, kick this off with me on this launch of Politics and Prose. I'm so excited. This information was phenomenal. Um, I have my own notes um, and I'm going to start saying, okay, what do I need to look at? What what action am I, will I put to this um, and, and continue that journey? So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It has been my pleasure and thank you so much for the opportunity to come in and talk today. Um, it is an important conversation that that to me we need to be consistently having. Yeah. And so I thank you for your willingness to, to put it at the forefront and make sure that as people transition to this new year that they're thinking about how to be well and to live well. Yeah. So y'all, I want everyone to ask themselves this question. What are you going through? And be honest with yourself. And if you find that you need to speak with someone Go ahead and do that. Don't be embarrassed. Your life is that important. So once again, thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. And we will check back with you on next Friday. Have a great day.